Well, good morning. So I went to the grocery store one morning just to pick up a few things. And that morning, I had a lot of different things on my mind. Brian and I had been dealing with some big losses in our lives, people that were very important to us, that were no longer with us. I was also dealing with some other issues in my personal life, and I had a lot of fear and anxiety uh, going around inside of me while I was shopping. But I just went in to grab a couple things. I got what I needed. I went to the checkout line. Now, what you need to know about this particular grocery store is that um, they, uh, they hire adults with special needs. And there is one gentleman in particular who works at this grocery store. His name is Scotty. He is very popular. So I get in line, and I'm waiting for my turn, and I have all of this stuff going on inside of me. And I'm not really paying too much attention to what's happening around me until it gets to be my turn. And I realize that Scotty is at the end of the belt there, and he's bagging everybody's groceries. Scotty's eyes meet, meet mine. He takes one look at me, and he says, you grumpy. And I just stood there, and I was so embarrassed. And then all of a sudden, in a loud voice, announcing it to the entire store, he starts saying, she grumpy, she grumpy. And I was horrified. Now, I should have known, my husband Brian tells me that I have no poker face, so whatever's going on inside of here is coming out all over here. And what do I know about Scotty? Scotty's a truth teller. Scotty calls it like he sees it. He saw a look on my face that didn't look very pleasant, and so he called it like he saw it. I tell you one thing. Every time I go grocery shopping now, I have a smile tacked onto my face from ear to ear. I am the happiest grocery store shopper you have ever seen in your life. Just in case I run into Scotty. But there are things in all of our personal lives. This world is tough. There's a lot of brokenness. There is a lot of loss. We deal with death. There are also things in general throughout the world that cause us anxiety and fear and that we're facing. I don't know if any of you heard this made the national news, but about a week and a half ago, there was a mass shooting in Greenwood, Indiana, in the mall there. My husband, until May, he was the worship pastor for 13 years at Mount Pleasant Christian Church in Greenwood, Indiana. So every week, he would be in the food court of that mall at least once eating lunch. A week and a half ago, there was a young man that came in. He spent an hour in the restroom preparing himself, and then he came out and shot up the food court, killing three people, wounding two others, and he himself was killed. We grieve with our Greenwood family. Sometimes it feels like death is everywhere. 
This world is incredibly chaotic and painful. And death is indeed a part of it. Eight years ago, I founded a ministry that's a little different. It's called Stripped Free. Myself and a team of women, we go into the clubs in the city of Indianapolis and we take, take gifts for the women working there so that they know that they are loved and they matter. Now, inside the walls of the clubs, we are known as the church ladies, okay? Now, I have to tell you, I'm not thrilled with that label because some people don't like church ladies, okay? And sometimes church ladies aren't very likable, so, and I can say that because I'm a church lady, there was one gal in particular, her name was Caitlin, who was not thrilled about the church ladies coming in. And she would do whatever it took to avoid us, actually. She most of the time would slip out the back door until we were gone. She made it known that she didn't want to talk to us, and that was okay. But there was another gal working in the clubs that was very good friends with Caitlin. Her name was Emma. And Emma felt differently about the church ladies. She thought we were okay. And so we developed a wonderful friendship with Emma over the years. Unfortunately and very tragically, Emma ended up passing away in 2018. We were heartbroken. And my team and I began to help with the funeral. And I was making funeral arrangements. I was on my phone. I'll never forget that morning. And all of a sudden, a messenger notification popped up on my phone. And my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe who it was from, the name that I was seeing. It was Caitlin. Why in the world would Caitlin want to talk to me, one of the church ladies? She wanted to talk about her friend, Emma. And that day, my friendship with Caitlin began. Caitlin had a very serious drug addiction that began when she was in the industry. However, after Emma's death, she left the industry and got clean. I continued to meet with Caitlin, and we would continue to have meals together. We developed such a sweet friendship. And then one day she told me that she accepted Jesus as her Savior, and she invited me to her baptism. I am so glad I went that day to her baptism. I had never seen such light in her eyes, such joy on her face as I did that day. I got to meet some of her family members and her mom. I'm so grateful. Caitlin's life was not easy. And it began to unravel once again. And she got into drugs again. Eventually becoming homeless. Anyone that saw her recently saw the price that her body was paying as a result of the addiction that was ravaging her life. It began to slowly envelop her. On July 1st, just three weeks ago, I got a phone call from Caitlin's sweet mom telling me that Caitlin had passed away early that morning. We both cried on the phone. 
talked about the things that we were going to miss about Caitlin. And then we reminisced about the day she was baptized. I had the privilege of speaking and singing at Caitlin's funeral, and it was one of the most difficult things I have ever done. In the middle of all of this loss, there are so many things that I don't understand. There are so many things that I don't have answers to. I find myself in a place of having a lot of whys. Why? Why? I have a mentor who told me many years ago during one of these seasons of my life where I had a lot of whys and there were so many things I didn't understand. I, I was vomiting out all of my issues. And she stopped me and she said, okay, I, I hear you. I hear, I hear what you don't know. I hear the answers that you're needing. Now let's focus on what we do know. I have taken that lesson with me. Focusing on what I do know. And even in the face of death, even in the face of chaos, even in the face of fear and anxiety, there are still some things we can know that we know that we know. There are still some things that don't change. There is still someone that we can count on and who never changes. So what do I know? What do I know? I, the only place I know to go to find what I know is in this book right here, the Bible. This Bible makes it very clear that there is a God and his name is Jesus. And he is my favorite subject. So I want to spend this morning talking about what we know about the one who never changes, this Jesus. So what do we know about Jesus? Number one, we know his character. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. These are actually the words of Jesus himself, and this is the only place in Scripture where Jesus actually tells us about his, his own heart. I am gentle and lowly in heart. He is gentle and he's humble. So we know that he's gentle even when our hearts hurt so deeply or when we're consumed with fear. We know he gently meets us in our pain and in our anxiety and in our chaos. He's not repelled by our, our brokenness. He draws near to us. He can't help himself. That's a part of who he is. Jesus, again, tells us in Luke 4.18 that one of the reasons he came was to bind up the brokenhearted. So if you find yourself here today and you're brokenhearted over something, know that he is so gentle and he sits with you in your pain. He's not repelled by it. He is attracted to it. He knows you need him all the more. He's gentle. He will never shrink back from you. What else do we know about Jesus' character? John 13, 1 says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
we know that he's loving. Now, when we think about Jesus' love, we tend to think that he loves like we love because we think everybody is like us. But Jesus doesn't love like we love. We love until we're betrayed. And then we stop loving many times. We love until we're hurt. And then we stop loving. We love as long as we feel it. And once the feeling's gone, we stop loving. We love up to a limit. But that's not how Jesus loves. Jesus loves to the end, no matter what. Those words of John 13, 1, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Those words come right before Jesus washed his disciples' feet, all 12 of them, knowing full well that there was somebody sitting there who was going to betray him in just a few hours knowing full well that there was somebody else sitting there who was going to deny him in just a few more hours, not once, not twice, but three times. He washed their feet still. He loved them still. Because Jesus doesn't love like we love. He's gentle. And he's loving There are many more things we can know about his character, but I want to stop there and I want to move to the second thing that we know about Jesus. We know what he's already done. After Jesus washed his disciples' feet, they all ate together. And later that night, Jesus would be betrayed and handed over to the Roman authorities and he would be beaten and mocked and crucified. Luke 23, 33 says, Finally, they came to a place called the skull. All three were were crucified there. Jesus on the center cross and the two criminals on either side. He was crucified. Why? In part, because he knew that more than 2,000 years from that day, there was going to be a little girl born, and her name was going to be Kim. And Kim was going to be overcome by her sin, and she was going to need saving. He knew that more than 2,000 years from that day, there was going to be a little boy who's going to be born, and his name was going to be David. And David was going to be overcome by his own sin, and he was going to need saving. He knew that more than 2,000 years from that day, there was going to be a little boy born named Brian. And Brian was going to be overcome by his sin, and Brian was going to need saving. And he knew the same about every single one of you. And he also knew that he was our only hope. He did it out of his great love for us. We know what he's done. He was crucified for us out of his love for us. Because he doesn't love like we love. So we know some very specific things about his character. We know what he's already done. 
And number three, we know where he's taking us. Philippians 3.20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. This world is not our home. Is there anybody else that's happy to hear that? Jesus, the son of God, took all of our sins upon himself, was crucified and died on a cross for the penalty of our sins. But the story doesn't end there. After three days, he rose again, conquering sin and death. 1 Peter 1.3 says, praise be to God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible tells us that all we have to do is ask him to forgive us of our sins and to surrender to him. And his Holy Spirit comes into our heart and resides there. And we get to live with him for all of eternity. Death and the grave have been defeated through Jesus' death and resurrection. And let me share one more thing with you that, that I know, just as a sidebar, as it, as it relates to the tragic story of my friend Caitlin. I know that God is fully capable of telling the difference between the voice of Caitlin's true heart and the voice of the drugs that enveloped her. I trust God with Caitlin. God is also capable of hearing the voice of your true heart, too. Because remember, Jesus doesn't love like we love. He loves us in the middle of our trauma and brokenness and rebellion. He even loves us when we look at him and scream, I can do this on my own. I don't need you. He loves us to the end. He loved Caitlin to the end. He loves you to the end. He loves us so much that he was willing to die for us knowing full well the messes we would make. How we would hurt others and ourselves. He died out of love for us still. You see, I discovered that the problem for me wasn't that I didn't believe uh, that Jesus loved me. The problem for me was that I believed I was too messed up. I believed I was too broken. I believed that I had done too many bad things. I made too many mistakes. And I was not worthy of that, of that kind of love that Jesus has. I knew full well that I was a sinner. I am a sinner Every single person that has walked this earth, with the exception of Jesus himself, is a sinner. I've done things in my life that I'm not proud of. Maybe you're here this morning and you've done things in your life that you're not proud of. Maybe you're currently doing things in your life that you're not proud of. Let me tell you this. God's saving outpaces your sinning 
every single time. God's saving outpaces my sinning every single time. You can't out-sin his saving. And that, my friends, is such good news. I am so grateful that there are things we can know even in the face of loss and death and fear and anxiety and all of the chaos of this world. I'm so grateful that we can know Jesus' character. I'm so grateful that we know that he's gentle and loving and what he's already done for us and where he's taking us. John 12, 24 says, and these are the words of Jesus once again. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. What happens when a seed dies? It busts open. Jesus was talking about what his own death would do, that he, in essence, would be busted open for us. And there would be many lives saved because of it. Where the world saw death, God saw new life. Where the world mourned the end, God said, no, this is just the beginning. Death and the grave have no sting and no victory because Jesus is alive and victorious. There is no news like that news. So let me ask you this question. Do you know where you're going? I mean, do you know that you know that you know that you know where you're going? Because I'm not foolish enough to believe that just because people sit in church, that means they know Jesus or that they know where they're going. I heard a saying a few years ago, there's a reason your windshield is bigger than your rear view mirror. Where you're headed is much more important than what you've left behind. This world is not our final destination. In case there's anyone here today that doesn't know where they're going, for any of you that might be listening to the things that I'm saying right now, and for lack of a better term, you're thinking, okay, this is a bunch of garbage. I don't believe this. Or maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, I mean, I would maybe give Jesus a try, but... Saying yes to Jesus means that I have to say no to other things that I'm not ready to say no to yet. I understand that. But would you consider something? Would you just say yes to Jesus and let him worry about the rest? All he wants you to do is come just as you are and say yes to him and surrender to him. And he can take care of all the rest. Since starting Strip Free eight years ago, I have been to a lot of funerals. 
And I'm constantly reminded that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And that is not just a saying. That is the truth. Life can indeed change in an instant. But here is the fantastic news. For those who believe in Jesus, there is no death. That is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is known as the good news that's meant to be told over and over and over again. There is no death for those who believe. Now, I want to take a minute and just talk to those of you who have maybe walked with Jesus for a long time. And maybe you did not have any problem or any issues accepting the love that he had for you. Maybe that was the easy part, and that's wonderful. But maybe your issue is that you've lost touch with just how desperately you needed saving Maybe you've forgotten that without Jesus, we are all like filthy rags standing next to a holy God. Maybe you find yourself thinking things like, well, at least I don't do the kinds of things that they do. I've done some really good things in my life. Maybe that's what you think. I recently read a book by uh, Dane Ortland called Deeper. It's an excellent book. And Dane says that all of us need to repent from both our badness and our goodness because our good deeds tend to make us proud and focused on our performance instead of Jesus. We can never be good enough. And I believe there are times when we need to be reminded of just how desperately we need Jesus, no matter how good We've been, or how many, quote, great things we've done. Where Jesus is taking us as believers is such good news. So let me ask you one last question. Who are you sharing this good news with? Who are you sharing this good news with? I don't know how many of you are familiar with a church in Brooklyn, New York called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Pastor Jim Cimbala is the senior pastor there. Brian and I had an opportunity to go there at, uh, to attend a conference there a number of years ago. And um, there was a, a special guest that he brought up onto the platform. And this gentleman's name was George. And George was a former member of the Taliban. George began to give his personal testimony about how there was a man that had the courage to tell him about Jesus, knowing that that man could have been killed for even mentioning the name Jesus. But he told George about Jesus nonetheless, and it changed his life. George became a believer and surrendered his life to Jesus. Powerful, powerful testimony and story. But at the end, George looked out at the congregation and he said, 
Why do you keep this Jesus to yourselves? Why do you keep this Jesus to yourselves? If not for my friend, I would still not know about Jesus. And I would still be lost. We are meant to take the light of Jesus into the darkest places. Mark Batterson says in his book, The Circle Maker, the will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. We are not commissioned to hold the fort until Jesus returns. He commands us to invade enemy territory and reclaim it for righteousness. Jesus didn't suffer a brutal death on the cross just to keep us safe and sound. Jesus died to make us dangerous. Do you believe that you are dangerous for the kingdom of God? That that's what God had in mind? Where are the dark places in your life that you need to take the light of Jesus into? Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's something completely different like like I'm doing with Stripped Free. Where is God calling you to tell his good news over and over and over again? Because if it has changed your life, why wouldn't you want to share this information with those that you come in contact with? And I can tell you one thing. I have looked. I have scoured this book for the word comfortable. And I can't find it. Go and tell people as long as you're comfortable with it. Not in here. Go and tell people is, but not the comfortable part. I believe that's what the enemy, the enemy wants us to feel uncomfortable saying the name of Jesus even. We can talk about God all we want, but don't you say the name of Jesus. And many of us fall right into that trap. We hear celebrities all the time. At award ceremonies, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God. What about Jesus? Jesus is the difference. He's the difference. Don't ever be afraid to say the name of Jesus. Don't ever be afraid to share the story. Don't ever be afraid of what someone else will think. Because you may be the only person that ever shares that information with with him or her. So maybe today, you need to step out of your comfort zone and tell someone about him. Or maybe today, you need to meet this Jesus for the very first time and surrender to him. Or maybe today, you need to experience Jesus You see, Jesus is a real living person. He's not just some concept. Knowing about Jesus and experiencing him are two very different things. It's kind of like knowing how to bake a cake. The difference between knowing how to bake a cake and actually eating a cake. 
It's fine that you know how to bake a cake, but the real joy and the real pleasure gets is when you experience the cake, when you taste it, when you smell it. There's a difference. God wants us to experience him. And that Holy Spirit that came into your heart when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, he helps you and me experience Jesus. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can do it. And this Jesus is so gentle and loving. And we know what he did for us on that cross, and we know where he's taking those of us who believe in him to be with him for all of eternity. So I want to invite Brian and the band to come back up, and I want to ask you all to stand. I want to close our time together with with a prayer time. I want to take some of these things before the Father. Let's close our eyes. And while our eyes are closed, I I want to ask if there's anyone here that might be courageous enough to just lift your hand. If you are maybe here, and you might be here for the first time, and you don't know this Jesus that we've been talking about today, and you want a relationship with him, would you just raise your hand right now while all the eyes are closed? Praise God. Father, I want to pray right now. I want to pray right now. Thank you for what you did on that cross for every single one of us. And if you're here this morning and you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, I pray that you would just repeat these words in your, in your mind and in your heart after me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and your body was broken and your blood was spilled for me. And I believe that after three days you rose again, conquering sin and death. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. I want to have this relationship with you. And this relationship with you is starting right now. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is coming into me to live there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And while your eyes are still closed, I want to to ask if there's anybody else that wants to, maybe you've walked with Jesus, but you're not really experiencing him like you want to. Would you have the courage enough to raise your hand if, if you want him to help you know how to experience him? Just, just raise your hand right now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, Jesus, I thank you that you are not just a concept. I thank you that you are meant to be experienced. You are living. You are a person. And you love us so much. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would begin to quicken hearts. Quicken hearts where you are living. 
and begin to show, speak to them in their heart language. You created them. You know how they will know it's you speaking. Teach all of us how to experience you because that's what this is about. Hallelujah. And with your eyes still closed, just lastly, is there anyone here that wants God to help you know who you need to share this good news with? Would you, would you raise your hand courageously while all the eyes are still closed? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, make it clear. We have the best news ever. The best news ever. And because you did create us, help us to know this very week. Make it clear. Open up the eyes and the ears of our hearts to hear you speaking. You don't play games with us. You don't hide information from us. That's not who you are. If we're not hearing you, Father, we need help in opening up the eyes and the ears of our hearts. Make it clear this week who we all are supposed to be talking to about you. Who needs to hear this good news? And then when you let us know, give us the courage to say that first word because the enemy will come up against us because that is the last thing he wants. He doesn't want anybody spreading this good news or talking about Jesus. Show us, show us this very week and you open up the door so that it's, so, Father, I, I believe so much, so deeply that you open the doors for these things. You open the door and we will walk through it when you do. To talk about what should be our favorite subject, the one who saved us. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen.